You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at cortezcurrents.ca. And today we conclude the exit interview series in which we look back on Noba Anderson's 14 years of service as our regional director. This is the final episode, part seven, in which I ask Noba about the changes she's seen on Cortez over those years and what she thinks about the future. So Noba, you've talked about trying to take the big picture view of Cortez with your regional director hat on. And 14 years is a long time to be taking that wide view, listening to a lot of people, sitting in a lot of meetings. What are some of the changes that you've seen on Cortez, on the island, in the community? What's your sense of the historical drift? Well, certainly the demographics is is the biggest change. So the, the people who really ran the island when I was first elected are either retired retiring or past at this point and that generation who lived here 30 40 years ago and could buy land based on working really hard planting trees for a couple of years and therefore had a lot of time to volunteer that era is gone and so the shift from this sort of volunteerism into needing actually to pay and compensate people for their time of community service is one that we're really grappling with figuring out how to fund in a good stable way as that generational shift happens and with that or alongside that has certainly come an increasing wage disparity so there's an increasing number of people here now who live here own land here who are extremely wealthy and extremely connected and have the potential to bring an amazing amount of resources to support the initiatives on the island. We need all of us to all be pulling with all of our connections and all of our money and all of our intellectual knowledge and all of our time. So I don't in any way mean to other anybody in this. That being said, the income gap has grown a lot. And so the inability for people to access housing because people have second and third homes and are using land increasingly as capital as opposed to a place to live really affects the fabric of the community in a really fundamental way. And so that, that has, I think, been the, the hardest slow creep to watch, a relatively inevitable one that we just haven't found a good way of, of bending the tide on. And even from a place of enlightened self-interest, those people are going to want, a, you know, a working class here. But even far beyond that, the, the reason that these people are drawn here is because it's a vibrant, alive community with a whole mix of ages and interests and demographics. And, and so I'm concerned that that is winnowing itself out. That's probably been the, the, the hardest one to watch is, is that. I think we can all think of people who have left the island because they couldn't find work or couldn't find housing or at least couldn't find work that would allow them to afford the local housing. Yeah. 
or housing itself, even if, even if they had funds, there's just nothing available. And, and it's especially hard on the young people who grew up here who literally just can't come back, you know, unless they're willing to live in a tiny home on their parents' property. There's just no way in. And it's, it's those people who grew up here who are literally like an expression of this land made manifest in human form that would just give their their very, very best to this place. And, and there isn't a way back. That breaks my heart. Yeah, the bubble market in real estate just, just went vertical to, to the point where that door is closed unless you've inherited money or you somehow have a windfall. That's a big change. And, and I've only been here 10 years, 11 years this fall. Well, you've lived the majority of that change. So my cri de coeur, really, for, for everybody is, like, we have this remarkable little gem of a community in an island that is in one of the most climactically stable places on, on the planet, that has a relative stable democracy and a relatively stable economy compared to a lot of the world. And we have the chance to weather what's coming more than so many other places in the world. And we have a level of intactness and, com and community cohesion, even still, and a level of love of this place. We really need all of us with all of our gifts and all of our money and all of our time and all of our connection. Like that's, that's my call to everybody is no matter what your means, give it to this place because we've got incredibly unstable times ahead. I see nothing but disruption on the horizon for the rest of my life and beyond both supply chain and climactic and political and economic. And we're, we're just, we're in, we're now living in times of disruption and disturbance and there is no baseline to really look back to anymore. And so we need to build systems of resilience, both in the really simple like energy and food security and transportation, but also in our ways of being with each other and being in relationship with each other, which is why I keep coming back to governance. It's like as these systems that were designed decades ago or centuries ago continue to fail us and continue to not be able to rise to the complexity of, of the situation that we currently find ourselves in, we will need ourselves to build parallel complementary systems to to support the the chaos that's coming so that we don't you know just turn into anarchy and that is on us there's nobody else that's going to come and save us there's no other government that's going to you know legislate for that for us or fund that for us and so the people who are coming here of means please like use that means for our collective well-being to purchase lands of, of community benefit and put endowment aside to support the, the nonprofit sector here. Let's, let's get alternative structures of decision-making and governance and representation and communication and emergency preparedness response. And, and as things get more difficult, it will be harder to build those institutions to, to support the change because we'll be more in, you know, in panic mode. And I see a lot of real beauty on the horizon. Like I'm not, I'm not a doomsdayer, but I think the systems as we know it will continue to fray and we'll need to build new ones that are based on more kindness and more generosity and, and more love and more creativity and more localization than the ones we have. 
Well, I guess we should be wrapping this up um, pretty soon. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to say to the community? I think it's been a very thorough interview, Dee, and I, I think your questions have perhaps focused a little bit more on the, on the challenges than, than I generally sit with. I, I am so, so, so beyond grateful to live in this place. I am so grateful that my parents moved here and I didn't have to spend my life finding it. I'm so grateful to live in a community that is still relatively intact and has such a strong sense of itself and belonging and love for place and commitment to the health of this land and the health of our relationship with the land and with the seen and unseen world here. And I'm so grateful to all the people that have loved this place so deeply for so long and want to do everything I can to have it be a place that my daughter also wants to live in and has the potential to live in for her life. So I don't know that there's any other you know, specific things I want to be more verbose about, but I, I really do want to let people know just what a remarkably special place this is on the planet. And may we love it with all of our hearts. And may we give it everything we have. Whether that's just because it's the best thing to do every day or because it's our lifeboat or everything in between, I, I want to leave with a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude and love for this place. You know, regardless, of, it's not perfect. God help us by any means. You know, it's got its warts and its vitriol and its petty small mindedness and its, you know, all of these things. But overall, overriding all of this is this is this deep love of place and each other. And in an increasingly urbanized and transient world, it that's what's missing. And we wouldn't be in the in the state that we are globally. We wouldn't be in our climate crisis. We wouldn't be in our species decline if people had a really strong and healthy relationship with place and a sense of belonging and stewardship to place. And this is one of those rare places in the Western world where that's still really strong. And, and that's why we attract people from all over the world who have the means to live anywhere on the planet and who choose to live here because there is a level of intactness to this place. And may we just cherish that with all of our hearts and, and continue to the, be the very best that we can in this place, whatever, whatever is coming, whether we are able to you know, weather what's coming or love each other as we go down. <laughs> may we be as kind, may we be as kind to each other as we can. And that was part seven and the final episode of our exit interview with Noba Anderson, stepping down this year from her job as our regional director. All the episodes of this series are available as podcasts at cortezcurrents.ca. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency, but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. As always, thanks for listening.